Welcome to The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Thanks for being with us. After what could be charitably described as a tumultuous offseason, the Browns take the field tonight in Jacksonville to face the Jaguars in their first preseason game. We've asked Cranes sports business reporter Joe Scalzo to join us to bring us up to date on what's been happening at training camp. Obviously, we'll talk about Deshaun Watson and what we might expect this season. Joe, I thought to myself, only the Browns could part ways with their first pick draft quarterback and have that overshadowed by an even bigger story. We'll talk about Watson in a second, but what about the Baker Mayfield era now that it's come to a close? There were a lot of people who were against him being drafted. They said he was immature and not really an NFL quarterback. If he doesn't do well with the team he's joined now, the Panthers, do the naysayers have a right to say, I told you so? I think you can take any stance that exists on Baker Mayfield, and I would be like, oh, yeah, I could see that. Um, I, I think... You know, at the time that he was drafted, they needed someone who wasn't just talented, but they needed someone who could come in and kind of deal with the garbage that comes with being part of a a franchise that is so dysfunctional. And, um, you know, that was really their low point. He came in, he embraced the challenge. You know, he wasn't a Josh Allen who got drafted later and ended up being one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But he sort of waded through the muck of all the losing and all the coaching changes and all the, you know, distractions that come. And I think, He's going to be looked back as a guy that that did a lot of positive things. I, I think there's a case to be made for them moving on, um, and there's certainly a, a strong case to be made for moving on in a way that they didn't choose to do. <laughs> but uh, I guess we'll lead into that. But but I think you know obviously if people want to say they shouldn't have drafted Baker, I get that. But I think Baker did more good than than bad here, and and filmed a lot of great commercials and uh, and had a positive impact on the community and. I, I don't know. I'm rooting for him in, in Carolina. So I hope a lot of people are as well. Do you think that's pretty much the fan stance that they, I mean, there's no ill will. It just, it just didn't work out. I, I think um, if they didn't feel that way in January, they certainly feel that way now because um, you know, he kind of went from a guy who struggled a lot last year to a pretty sympathetic figure. I think he's handled his, himself fairly well. He did one podcast that kind of annoyed some people, but I, I think probably most people in Cleveland are, are wishing him well. I always liked him. I, I thought he was fun, uh, but I also understand why they wanted to make a move uh, and why they decided to go after Deshaun Watson as well. As we're having this conversation, Deshaun Watson is scheduled to start the Browns' first preseason game tonight in Jacksonville. Do you think he's actually going to play, and what might happen between now and kickoff? Boy, it's it's tough because um, we, you know, a lot of different things could happen. The person who's overseeing the appeal, former New, New Jersey Attorney General Peter Harvey, is is just kind of like under an obligation to decide this in an expedited manner. There's no like specific deadline. So I I think the league's preference would be for him not to play. But at this point, you know, um, I also think they don't want this to blow up into a big story on the first weekend of the preseason. So there's different PR things to to wade through. But I, I think the biggest thing is, if he's suspended indefinitely, he won't play. But if they decide to suspend him for like 12 regular season games and fine him, um, he, he's going to be eligible to play in the preseason. So anything short, I think, of, a, of an indefinite suspension that happens between now and, and game time, you know, he's probably going to play. So, you know, what happens after that, whether he plays the rest of the preseason, I don't know. But uh, at this point, it's looking like he'll play and he'll start for the Browns uh, against the Jaguars. The NFL is appealing the six-game suspension that was handed down by Sue Robinson, the uh, the arbitrator. What does the league want? 
the, the league wants, and, and Roger Goodell came out and said this um, a few days ago, he, they want a, an indefinite suspension. They want a fine. They want him to go to treatment. They want him to apply for reinstatement. That was what they were seeking throughout this process. And a lot of people thought it was lip service, and maybe it was, but I think they're sincere that that's what would be the best uh, outcome for the NFL. Now, there had been different talks about settlements you know, before Sue Robinson made her decision um, one of them, I think, was like a 12-game suspension and maybe like a, a $10 million fine. Um, Watson and his camp didn't want that. They rejected it. They thought they would get a, a smaller appeal, which they, or a smaller decision, which they did, the six-game decision. Um, but I, at this point, I think the league is pushing for, you know, an indefinite suspension. And, you know, even though Roger Goodell is not even overseeing the appeal, he, he chose the person who is. And, and I think it's pretty clear probably to Peter Harvey what the NFL wants. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if he ruled that way. And just to be clear, I mean, this was part of the agreement when they decided to give this to the arbitrator that both sides could appeal. They didn't have to, you know, just automatically accept the decision. That's correct. That's correct. But at the, you know, the NFL PA also understood that the appeal would then go to the NFL and Roger Goodell could either oversee that appeal or he could designate um, someone, which is what he did with Peter Harvey. But, yeah, like from the NFLPA standpoint, appealing doesn't really have a lot of appeal, to use a, a turn of phrase, just because they knew they would ultimately end up in the NFL's camp. And to me, just on the outside looking in, there was no downside at all for the NFL to appeal this decision other than making the players union hate them even more, which is what's going to happen. But I don't know, they already hated each other anyway, so I don't know how much fallout there's going to be from that. Say Watson gets suspended for the full season or most of the season. What are the Browns' options at quarterback? Well, so it's it's interesting because they've pointed at Jacoby Brissett, um, who they signed in the offseason, as sort of being that guy uh, that will start in Deshaun Watson's absence. Now, that makes sense if you have a six-game suspension. I, I don't know that anyone wants to see Jacoby Brissett as a 17-game solution. Um, and then behind him, you get Josh Dobbs and, and Josh Rosen, which, you know, that that's not a... a a feasible solution either. So, you know, I think if, if you look at it at 12 games, or certainly if you're looking at an indefinite suspension, the, I would, I would say the Browns would look to maybe try to acquire a trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, who's um, just kind of in limbo out in, in you know, in San Francisco, uh, the 49ers run a similar offense, what Kevin Stefanski does here. Um, and you would kind of just slide right in. It would be a one-year deal. Um, and, and I think that makes a lot of sense because, you know, first of all, he's a better player than Jacoby Brissett. But secondly, it allows, it allows things to kind of settle down a little bit. I, you know, in my opinion, a 12-game suspension is almost worse than a, a year-long suspension just because you still have this hanging over your head. So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go Garoppolo if it's – if it's a, a year-long suspension, if it's 12 games, I don't know, they might just decide to, to stick with Jacoby Brissett, but then you're risking um, kind of losing a season or, you know, when you have a kind of a playoff-level roster. Yeah, my wife is rob- uh, lobbying for Garoppolo for some reason. I can't figure out why, but I think I know. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I, I just say I'm a Garoppolo fan. I, I like the idea of them doing that. Uh, I've always liked him, but... Um, you know, I'm also interested in it probably a different way than your wife is interested. So, <laughs> <laughs> so obviously it's too early to tell what the long-term ramifications of this might be, but I mean, is there any buyer's remorse here at this point for the Browns? Are they willing? I mean, they're never going to probably publicly say this was a bad idea, but do you think in the back of their minds are like, wow, this didn't go the way we thought. 
Well, I, I think, you know, when it came down uh, that Sue Robinson gave him a, a six-game suspension, I don't think there was any buyer's remorse. I think they thought, like, hey, we just robbed a bank and got hit with a $10,000 fine, but we stole a million dollars, that kind of thing. Um, I, I think if you're looking at a 12-game suspension or even a year-long suspension, there has to be some buyer's remorse um, because, uh, y- you know, you're already dealing with the PR fallout from this, which is considerable, um, not necessarily the hardcore Browns fans, but league wide, um, you know, and certainly just the way your franchise is viewed by businesses and sponsors and all those things. Uh, but the other part is just, you know, if he's out for a year, you, you, you know, you take a step back on the field. Um, I'm not sure that Jacoby Brissett is better than Baker Mayfield. Um, certainly better than the Baker Mayfield we, we saw last year, but not Baker Mayfield at his best. Um, and then, you know, if, if Deshaun does come back uh, after all that layoff, he already missed last year by just sitting out the season. So, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of layers to this and I, I would hope that the Browns would say, Hey, we could have handled this better, not just in, in terms of trading for this guy, but in the contract and the way that it was structured, we guaranteed a lot of money. We, we backload the contract so he wouldn't, you know, face, face any financial repercussions from a suspension. There was just a lot of stuff that they could have handled better. And I, I would hope that people in the building would say, yeah, you know what? If we could do this all over again, there's there'd be some things that we did differently. You mentioned the PR aspect, and you hear this from fans. You've heard from a group of fans who said, I'll never go to another Browns game now that they've signed Deshaun Watson. I'm finished with the team because mm-hmm. of what's taken place. How much do you think that's really going to hold? I mean, I you hear that all the time about all kinds of things. And I know there's always a group of people who make that decision and stick to it. But so often, I wonder if it's just lip service. I think it is. I mean, I, I say this as a Browns fan. Um, I think there's a lot of people that will just be like, well, I'm cheering for Nick Chubb. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Who? I don't even know who the quarterback is, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and that's why, like, I think part of the reason that it would be good um, for him to get a year-long suspension would be just for this. This would have time to, like, settle down a little bit. People would say, hey, this guy served a punishment that was fitting. People would kind of just get used to the idea. They could cheer for the team this year. And I think you come back not with a clean slate the next year, but at least in a better spot than you are this year. Now, whether there are fans that are going to give up, I, you know, I, my neighbor, I remember when the trade first happened, he came to the bus stop the next day with a Bills hat on. <laughs> and that lasted about two weeks. And he's like, okay, I'm going to watch the Browns. But he will be cheering for the Bills as like a secondary team. But I, I think a lot of people are uncomfortable with the idea. I don't know that that many will actually go ahead and, and not cheer for them. Um, I think the casual fans, you might lose some of those, but I don't know. The Browns are in our blood here in Cleveland. It's hard. So I don't see it. Not to take this conversation too far afield from sports, but do you think that sometimes athletes are held to a different standard? You see this happen with movie stars and people say, I I don't hear people saying, I'll never go to another Kevin Spacey movie as long as I live. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, it happened with with members of the Cleveland Orchestra that were involved in, in sexual harassment and people didn't stop going. And you know what I mean? And now they took they took action or whatever. But the point is, sometimes yeah. I think athletes are singled out. I'm not saying they doesn't deserve to be singled out in this case. <laughs> I'm just saying it seems like they're held to this standard that, that it's a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something to that. Uh, I mean, there's certainly, I, I would say Woody Allen is probably an example of people who said, I'm not going to go to his movies anymore. But I don't know how many people were going to his movies before <laughs> that. So... Uh, what's interesting too, is just like, you know, typically if you get in trouble and you do something that's criminal or a civil trial type, you know, type deed, 
your employer wouldn't necessarily like go in and be like, okay, you have to sit out the next three months, you know, in a, a unpaid suspension from work. They'd either fire you or, or just let the courts handle it. So it's, it is interesting how, you know, because pro sports takes such a huge amount of media attention and, you know, in this, in this country, you see them behave in different ways um, than you would in other industries. So um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, you bring up an interesting point, Dan, just that, people are much more aware of what athletes do. And, and it's funny because, you know, you know, really to be an NFL player, you just need to be fast and be willing to throw your body into other people. <laughs> but we expect, you know, a certain level of morality from them just because of the attention that they, that they get. And I don't know that it's essentially a bad thing. It's just, sometimes it's funny to think about. Joe Scalzo, Joe, just Joe reports on the business of sports for Cranes Cleveland. He joins us for the Cranes Cleveland podcast, The Landscape. We're talking about the Browns as they prepare to take the field tonight against the Jacksonville Jaguars, opening up the preseason. So how much time do you think the starters will get tonight? Is, is this changing now? It used to be that the starters played in the first couple of games and then didn't play in the last one. It seems almost like they don't play in the first few and play in the last. Yeah, it used to be kind of like a little bit in the first two, and then the third game was a dress rehearsal, and then the fourth game nobody played. And then they got rid of that fourth game. And so it changed things. And there, there's a there's a school of thought. Uh, and Sean McVay, the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, kind of leads that to just, I'm not playing anybody important in those games. And then you still have coaches like maybe an Andy Reid who says, you know what, yeah, we'll play a little bit. Um, I, I would expect the Browns to play their guys the first quarter. And, and really what's interesting is just, you know, if you take away Deshaun's suspension, it, you know, as I said, he hasn't played all last year. He hasn't got a lot of time this summer to get used to all those guys. He might have played a lot more than usual. And and if, you know, if he does get suspended, you might see more of Jacoby Brissett than you would normally see just because, again, you have to get him ready for the for the rest of the season. So um, it's always interesting to see how coaches handle it. Um, but, you know, a guy like Nick Chubb doesn't need to play in the preseason ever. I wouldn't expect him to play. But, you know, you still have to you still have to feel the team for for four quarters and you only have 90 guys. So inevitably some people play, but I wouldn't expect a ton tonight, maybe first quarter for, for starters. As we come out of training camp and head into the, this preseason and the season eventually, are there any key players we should be watching for? Anybody really shine during fall camp or anything we should look for? Yeah, you know, I, I think to me, the biggest question mark on the team outside of Deshaun Watson is, is wide receiver. And, and, you know, they traded for Amari Cooper who came in and I don't expect him to play a lot, but there's a lot of question marks behind there. Um, one of the guys they thought they were going to use this, this week, uh, Jakeem Grant got his you know, torn Achilles tendon. So they're really relying on some guys that haven't, haven't really produced at a high level to just kind of move up a seat. And Donovan Peoples Jones would, would be to me, the guy, that's supposed to be the second best receiver in the team. He's flashed over the last few years, but he hasn't consistently produced. Um, Anthony Schwartz, who was a rookie last year that flashed once or twice and then disappeared. He's supposed to play a big role. Um, and so I, I'm interested to see, you know, if these guys can be productive and, and play at a high level. I mean, obviously preseason is preseason, but um, that, that to me would be the, the part that I would uh, look at. And then their kicker, Cade York, who they, they drafted. He's been really strong in camp. They've been really bad, you know, in the kicking game the last few years. So I, I think a lot of people will watch him uh, and see if they can kind of take a step forward. Because Phil, since Phil Dawson left, um, they've been they've been really bad. And so, <laughs> just having a guy who That's can consistently make <laughs> yeah forty five yard field goals consistently, I think Browns fans would take that every time. One player who is not a receiver but is a good pass pass catcher is Kareem Hunt, and he's asking to be 
traded because he's not given a contract extension. Why is the team reluctant to give him one? Is it his age, which I have to laugh when I started watching football, running backs were old at 38. Now they're old at 27. Um, is it his age? He's coming off an injury. Why, why, won't, why don't they give him, want to give him an extension? I think it's just the general devaluing of, of running backs across the league. He makes about $6 million a year, which is a pretty good salary for a second string uh, running back. Now, obviously he has more talent than the second string running back, but he, he really didn't have any leverage at that point. Um, nobody else is going to give him more money this year if they traded for him. I think he probably sensed, hey, this is a good time for me to, to pull a move like this just because they're going to have to rely on the running game even more if, if Deshaun Watson gets suspended for a significant time. But, you know, it's just – it. It's something that, I, you know, his holdout, hold in, whatever you want to call it, didn't last very long just because he kind of sensed, hey, I'll be an unrestricted free agent next year. Maybe I get paid. Maybe I don't. But I'm not going to get any more money out of the Browns, um, who, quite frankly, have a, a pretty good running back room uh, with or without with Fremont, which you know, I like the guy, but there just wasn't any leverage there to, to, to squeeze out more money, I think. If they do have to rely on the run more with the quarterback situation being unsettled, do you think that Nick Chubb could lead the league in rushing? I mean, he's going to get the ball a lot. I, I mean, I think it's possible. Um, now, I think the Browns have always viewed him as a guy they want in the playoffs, and you don't want to take too much tread off the tires. Um, and so that's why they've they've uh, you know kind of split the carries and, and give him some, um, some rest. I, I don't know that that's the goal of the Browns, but certainly uh, if things go bad uh, – there are worse things to do than give him the ball over and over again. Um, and then I, you know, Darius Johnson was a guy that, that really produced uh, in a short stint last year, whenever he was called upon. And so we add that to the, the cream hunt. I mean, they got three really, really quality NFL backs that, that to me could start. So um, I don't know that necessarily Nick to, to be the leading rusher in the league, but I think they do need to lead the league in rushing or come close to it as a team. Cornerback Denzel Ward got the Brinks truck backed up to his house. Does he need to have an all like an all pro season this year? I mean, he's very good, but I mean, for the money he's getting, does he, if he doesn't have that kind of season, is it a disappointment? Um, you know, I, I I think the only thing with Denzel is just that he, he misses a couple of games every year because he's gets injured. Part of that is just because you get injured in the NFL and he's not a real big guy. Uh, um, I, I don't really have any worries about whether he'll compete or play at a, a, a Pro Bowl level just because. Um, he, he consistently does when he's healthy and he's on the field. Uh, but, you know, the way that, that the NFL works, you know, and the, and the Browns are sort of like this, you do pay for a couple premium positions, whether it's Miles Garrett or Denzel Ward or, or you know, Deshaun Watson. And then you have a lot of lower class players. You don't have a ton of middle class players. So you do need those, those elite guys to produce at an elite level. And I think, you know, they've been strategic about it, but, you know, they got a lot of money tied up in guards and things like that. And so, um, yeah, like that's where you kind of see how good of a scouting department they have and all those other things. But Denzel can make up for a lot of mistakes. But, yeah, you certainly have a lot of your, your payroll in one or two or three guys. So they need to produce at a high level, and I think they will. In terms of schedule, is this year's schedule tougher than last year? It doesn't project that way. And, and in specifically, their first six games, I think they were good favored to, to win five of those. And that's why so many people were, were thrilled in Cleveland when Deshaun only got the six-game suspension initially because I think there was a thought that they could win four or five of those games and then you plug in your all-pro quarterback and, you know, maybe you're not a Super Bowl contender, but you certainly are, you know, expected to make the playoffs at that point. Um, so the first six games of the season set up really well. 
sometimes rejecting whether a schedule is going to be hard is, is kind of fool's gold because the team's changed so much from year to year and so much depends on whether a quarterback is healthy or something like that. But um, I, I think there was a sense, and that's why this is so interesting, there was a sense that things set up this well for this year, whether it's the roster or the schedule, for the Browns to make a nice run. And as always happens with the Browns, they, they get in their own way a little bit. And uh, so now you have outside distractions and other things you're talking about, but the end, they're never boring. I'll say that. <laughs> could be a Tennessee <laughs> Titans fan and, and nobody talks about your team or the other Falcons. Everybody always talks about the Browns, at least in the off season. I'm just going to say, finally, I find it's hard to believe, but that's the fortunes of this team that they haven't even won the AFC North since I think 1989 with or without Deshaun Watson. Can they at least do that? <laughs> Well, I mean, I would expect the Ravens to be a playoff team. I think the Bengals, you know, obviously they made the playoffs last year or the Super Bowl last year. Um, it's tough. And it's so funny you mentioned that because it wasn't even the AFC North. It was the AFC Central back then. You the Oilers who don't even exist. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it been a while. Been it's it's uh, uh, It's been a while. I don't know if this year will be the one to, to get over the hump. But, um, you know, regardless of what happens with the Sean, I think everybody expects this to be resolved by next year. And, um, you know, so you at least have him for four years. If he gets suspended for a whole year, his contract tolls, and you might have another year, so it might be five years. So um, I think there's a sense that uh, they'll be all right, you know, in years to come. But whether this is the year, boy, they got a lot to overcome just because uh, <laughs> because they have so much drama, uh, as always. Asking Browns fans to wait another year is not uncommon. So hopefully it's this year. Maybe not. It'll be next year. Joe Scalzo, thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Dan. It's always a pleasure. Joe Scalzo reports on sports for Cranes Cleveland. He joined us today for the Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk again soon.